Father, thank you for your word and for who you are, that you do not change, you stay the same, there's no one like you, and that through your grace, we can take hold of what you've given to us by faith. May we understand tonight where we are in our relationship with you, whether we have one or whether we're walking within it or apart from you, so that we can learn what it means to grow spiritually and where we need to be in order to do that. Thank you for your love for us, and give us an understanding tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're, we're playing this red light, green light game uh, with our lesson, and I actually, I spent probably, I don't know, like an hour and a half on these little circles with the people. I was actually really proud of myself, because look, they're not stick figures. Notice that? They're like timber figures. Nicholas, I appreciate you being here, and I would like to keep it that way. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> what do I expect? You're wearing Darth Vader shirt. I mean, come on. Actually, not Darth Vader. It looked black and white. It is Stormtrooper. You're right. Wow. So, so what we're going to talk about that we just exhibited, basically. Red light, green light. Thanks, Wiley. Appreciate that. We, we should probably just, like, pray again. <laughs> Here, let, let's focus in. I know I got us off track, but <coughs> let's focus in real quick. So red light, green light, is we're in our second part of this series, and we're talking about what stops us from growing spiritually, and that's the red light concept. How many of you guys remember playing red light, green light as a kid? Okay, red light, green light. Leader says red light, you stop running, green light, you start running, uh, and if you don't stop running in time, when he says red light, then you're out. Good news is you can't get out in this game. You can only just not advance. So spiritual growth, we saw when our, we studied that, that God's given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us communicators to equip us with the word and help us understand it. And so those three things God's given to us so that we can grow spiritually. But just by giving us his word, and the Holy Spirit, and people to help us understand it, that doesn't mean that we will grow spiritually. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and trust Him to be your Savior and never grow spiritually from that point on. It all comes down to whether or not you choose to trust God and His Word and the Holy Spirit. Spiritual growth comes down to the choice you have to make to trust God instead of yourself. And that's what we're looking at is what is it that keeps us from spiritually growing? Well, last week we talked from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2, and we started verse 3, and we learned from those that we stop growing spiritually when we are being fleshly, meaning that we obey the sin nature, and when we are walking according to man's thoughts and ways. Let me switch over here. I'll get this fixed for you. So what is it that keeps us growing spiritually? Well, from 1 Corinthians 3.1, we saw being fleshly, and we identified that as walking by the sin nature or obeying the sin nature. And also as walking according to man's thoughts and ways. All right, get it together. 
I don't know what any, I don't know what any of you are laughing at, but the fact that you're all laughing and not paying attention is what I understand. <laughs> so take a second, compose yourself. Take a second. What is it keeps us going for spiritually? Being fleshly, obeying the sin nature, and walking according to man's thoughts and ways. We saw that last week from 1 Corinthians 3.1. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.1 says, And I, brethren, talking to believers, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh. And so what we saw was that believers could be either spiritual or fleshly. Right now, you are either spiritual or fleshly. You're either operating by the spirit or operating by the flesh. We said the flesh was obey, obeying the sin nature that you have. If you were at camp or have been to any of our camps, we always talk about the sin nature because it's a part of the basic understanding of why you do what you do. And so at camp, we talked about you have this thing called lust and a pattern that you want to have the same thing over and over and over again. And you're going to want a lot of different things, but if you pay attention to the things that you want the most or more often, you're going to find that it's either pride making yourself and what you think and what you want and what you like more important than anything else. You're going to find that it may be making what you feel more important than anything else. Or there you'll find that you'll see that making stuff and acquiring stuff is more important than anything else. And that's what we call your lust pattern, a desire towards making it all about you for pride or making it all about how you feel for, the, for sensuality or making it all about stuff for materialism. And if you understand that concept, you're then able to work with that to start growing spiritually. Because now that you understand a little bit about why you do what you do, you can choose to confess your sin and stop it before it happens, when you see it coming. When we are obeying this in nature, we're following our lust pattern. We're following the things that our body and our soul say, these are beneficial, but they go against God. When we're following the Spirit and we're operating spiritually, we're obeying God. When we obey God, this causes us to do right things. When we obey the sin nature, this causes us to do wrong things. Pretty simple. We call this sin. Why are they wrong? They're, they're wrong because they go against God. And so while you're following the flesh, you cannot do righteous things. Anytime that you're following the flesh, Obeying the flesh, it is sin every single time. Anytime you're obeying the Spirit and following God, it's always right. The reason for that is because God is righteous. If we're following Him, if we're legitimately listening to God, legitimately and honestly letting Him lead us, then He will not lead us into something that's wrong. Or even to something that's not for us at that time. And so... Paul started in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, said, I can't talk to you, brothers in Christ, as to those who are obeying God and doing what's right, following his thought process. I have to 
to talk to you and teach you as those obeying the sin nature and what's causing you to do wrong things or following its leadership. And so we looked at that, and we saw that believers either walk spiritually, obedient to God, or fleshly, obedient to their sin nature. And we saw then that he said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you weren't able to receive it. When you are fleshly, when we're outside of a fellowship with God, a right relationship with God, we cannot understand God's things. They're spiritually understood, and when we're operating fleshly, we do not understand God's word. We don't understand his plans. We don't understand what he wants. We have to get back into a right relationship with him. Romans tells us that the mindset of the flesh is flesh, and the mindset of the spirit is spirit. And that we cannot discern that which is spiritual from the flesh because we're focused on the fleshly things, things of this world, things of our uh, universe and surrounding area. And he says to them that he, at this point in his writing, he can't even at that point talk to them with solid food and teach them solid food so they can grow spiritually. He has to continue to give them milk. He says, because you're not able. And it's at this word able that I want to point out something to you that we left out last week because we wanted to give you a little bit of chance to start understanding it. When you trust Jesus to be your Savior, like our little stick figure kneels at the cross, God puts you in Christ. This top circle refers to salvation. You are always there. You're always going to be there. You are now God's child. Ephesians 1.5 says that you have a relationship with God. He is your heavenly father, and you are his spiritual offspring. And in your relationship, you can have what we call fellowship with God, which means harmony or commonness, or you cannot. And so while salvation is secure and you stay in there, fellowship means that you can go in and out of fellowship. This is very simple to understand. We see this every day, and you see this right now probably very much so in your life. Think about the relationship you have with your parents. Whoever it is that you live with as the authority over you, if you are obeying them, you have commonality with them. They're saying, this is what we are going to do as a family. We're moving this direction. We believe that these things are true. We're going to follow these values. We're going to have this be our set of standards for our, our living together as a family in a pur pursuit of this life. And the instant you say no to any of that, you depart from what the, your parents or your, whoever's their authority over you is trying to do, and you say, no, I'm going to do something on my own here. And you break that harmony. Does that make some sense? When you are disobedient to your parents, are you together with them? No. You're apart. They want you to do one thing and have the authority to tell you to do it, and you want to do your own thing. And what's hard, especially as you guys are getting older, being the 10th grade and above, is that the older you get, more like that junior, senior, you're going to start fitting into this kind of almost awkward place where you're, you're kind of an adult, and you're kind of a, a, a child of your parents still. And there's a balancing act that takes place both for the parents and for the students, for their, their children here, where there's a transition that will take place. 
and it gets really rocky at that transitionary place. Ladies, I don't know why this is, but the mom and the daughters really start getting issues here when that transition starts taking place. I don't know if it's the daughter's getting ready to go off and have her own, like, house and the way she wants things to be and, like, set up a home or not. But there's, there's, it's, it's just what happens. And it's not that the, the guys are like, yeah, we're totally chill and good, like we always obey. That's not it at all. But there's such something going on with the, the two women, the young woman and the, the mom. It's just, that's what happens. So you can look forward to that. Okay, ladies? Gentlemen, if you have older siblings growing up, you'll see that coming through too. Um, but here, here's the point is that this is a relationship. And just like with your parents or with your friends, if there's an argument going on, you guys aren't close together, are you? There's something that needs to be settled first, right? If somebody has said something about you that, that, you, that wasn't true, when your friends said that, you're not really going to be like, hey, buddy, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> you have an issue with them. You want to solve it. And hopefully you want to reconcile and come back together and say, hey, it really hurt my feelings when you said that. Why did you say that? It wasn't even true. And they'll go, oh, my bad. I thought it was true. I'm just wrong. I'm sorry. That would be like ideal, right? Not usually how it works because we don't usually let go of what we think that easily. We have to have it proven away from us. But with this relationship we have with God, when we're following him, there's harmony between us and him. And when we follow ourselves, he's trying to go this way and we're going this way and there's no harmony. And that's what we call being out of fellowship or not having fellowship. And you can look at fellowship from 1 John 5 or 1 5 to 10. That's where it talks about if we, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with God and with one another. All, if, if Nicholas is walking in the light and I'm walking in the light, we have fellowship. If I sin, I lose that fellowship with him too if he's still in the light, if he's still in a right relationship with God. And so this is where you have a right relationship with God. It's where you have harmony. You're doing what he says. You're following him. You're obeying him. He is teaching you and growing you spiritually. You're taking what he says and you're trusting it and using it because you're depending upon it in your life. And then all of a sudden something comes up. This is the Costco syndrome. You walk in trying to get one thing. What do you see? Something shiny. <laughs> Ooh, what's that? <laughs> this is where you have temptation coming in right here. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed. What is he drawn away from? From what God's providing. Here's the Costco syndrome. Have you had their coconut almonds? That is the one thing you need there. See? Here's the point. That's completely apart from the point. The point is you go in looking for 150 things and you get distracted. Costco syndrome, right? Shiny. You're tempted away from what you are trying to get. Listen up, please. You're tempted away from what you're trying to get. And temptation is purely just to deceive us away from what God's giving us and say, hey, this is better over here. And Satan company lay that trap. They know what your lust pattern is. And they lay that, that trap to get you to think more important of yourself or to make your feelings matter more than anything else or make stuff more important than yourself or, or than anything else and what God's given you. And so you leave that and you take something that God's not providing you. You start obeying something that he's not saying to do. 
and that breaks that relationship. So in, in your parents' relationship with you and your friends' relationships, how do you come back together? Well, there has to be a conversation, really. You have to talk to your parents and say, I'm sorry I was not obeying you. You asked me to clean my room. You asked me to do this chore, to do my homework, whatever, be home at a certain time, and I just chose not to, and that's wrong. I should not have done that. doesn't mean the consequences will go away, but what it does is it restores that relationship. It brings you guys back together. If it's not just an apology for the sake of apologizing, if you genuinely agree, you know, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. That brings that relationship back together, and that's exactly what Red Light, Green Light is talking about in this series. Because 1 John 1, 9 talks about our confession, and you've heard this from me over and over again. But 1 John 1, 9 is that verse that says, if we confess our sins, and that word confess means to agree with God about our sins. If we agree with him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when we confess, he's able to put us back in a right relationship. Because the problem with our parent analogy is that parents aren't always just ready to forgive you, right? <laughs> you could go to them genuinely sorry and, re and remorseful for what you've done and just say, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that, mom and dad. And they say, well, go to your room. I'm going to think about what you're, you're going to get anyway, right? They can still be upset with you. God's not like that. God isn't about himself. God is love. Unconditionally pursuing what's best for us. And so when we come to him and we say, God, I was wrong. He already knew we were wrong to begin with. He knew you were going to come and confess. And he says, I forgive you. Now let's try again the right way. And so as that happens, you start going in and out of fellowship. And the more you pay attention to your relationship with God, the more you start seeing the sin in your life. And the more you start recognizing when it is that you're not in fellowship with him. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you believe that you are in fellowship and good with God 99% of the time. We believe that in our natural condition. As, as humans, give ourselves the best light. This is why we get upset with other people who do the same thing that we do, but we don't get upset with ourselves. We think that we're good. We're totally right with God. We ignore the sin in our life, and we're just good. 99% of the time. The reality is it's the opposite. 99% of the time, we're out of fellowship with God. Because all it takes is one step that we take, not necessarily physically, but one choice we make that wasn't set directed by Him or led by Him. Anytime we choose for ourselves to do something on our own, that's sin. I can choose to preach whatever series or teach whatever Bible passage I want, and it can be sin. Or I can submit myself to God and say, God, what does this group need? What is it from your word that they need? What do you want me to teach from? What part of your word should I communicate to them for where they're at? 
And if I submit myself to him, maintaining my relationship by confessing my sin when I am convicted of it, and following him, then he will lead me. How many of you guys went to camp three, three years ago, right? This was the year of the no dinner, two-hour conversation with you, Lauren, and I at the whiteboard, right? So she was there. <laughs> you were there, typically. So this should have been headstrong. But when we got there, I don't know if you guys remember this, and I was teaching the first lesson. And you may not understand this. You may not recognize this yet. And hopefully at some point you will if you ever get to a place where you have to teach or something. You could be teaching information and be like another person in the room watching yourself and be like mentally removed from what you're doing and still be teaching and just be having this whole thought process going on inside your head like, wow, this is kind of amazing. Wow, look at that over there. Hey, I didn't notice this. And the whole time you're teaching, not missing a beat. Now, that was happening during that first lesson for me because during that first lesson at Headstrong a few years back, I was recognizing what God had done to prepare our group that was there for the information they were going to receive that year in him leading me to teach this passage of scripture and do that series and leading me to teach this one throughout the whole year. And I was just up there teaching, no thought of it. And all of a sudden, it hit me as I'm teaching. God has prepared all of us for this moment. We learned the information we needed to know ahead of time so that we could learn the information at that camp. And the whole time I'm thinking all this, we're just teaching away. It's a phenomenal thing. It's very enjoyable to, to have that happen. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. Hopefully at some point you get to because it's kind of neat. Uh, but when we follow God and his leadership, he prepares the way, and we don't have to worry about the past or what's coming up. We can't control it anyway. In case you're a pride-less pattern, that will be one of your issues, trying to control things. Paul says that he could not give the brothers that he was speaking to in Christ spiritual food, substance. In other words, things that they could really work through and chew on and understand how to do what they were supposed to do. And he says that he could not do that for they were still fleshly. And the reason we brought this diagram up because this word right here at the bottom of verse 2, even now you are not able. I'm going to give you information about this word from the original language that's more detailed than typically we do in this setting. But I'm going to do it for a reason because it's going to help you understand what this part of the process right here, 1 John 1, 9 does. This word able is from the Greek word dunamai. And it means the natural ability to accomplish something or do something. Okay, so able is a good definition, all right? But it's in what's called the middle passive form. Don't worry about that. Here's what you need to know about it. Which means that these individuals, these spiritual brothers who were not spiritually mature, they were infants, the youngest of the youngest infants, they were participating or not participating because of this word here, not participating in being acted upon to be able. Now what we've taught you throughout the years if you've been with us is that out here, outside of that circle, the Holy Spirit's role is to convict. Inside the circle, his job is to teach. 
Now, this word dunamai here means is that they're not putting themselves in the place where God can do something upon them, where God can teach to them. There is a place where God is not able to teach you his word. And you participate in being in that place in the flesh by choosing to follow sin. And he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2, that I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able yet to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not participating in being acted upon to be able. You have to be in a right relationship with God in order to understand his word. Why? Well, this is where spirituality is. This is where you operate spiritually. What do you operate out here? There were two things we learned from verse 1. A believer can either operate spiritually, obeying God, or what? Fleshly, obeying the flesh. You've got two options. If you're not spiritually operating right now, then you're operating from the flesh. You're fleshly. Which means everything I'm saying means nothing to you. You can learn the academic words. I can help bore you to death and put you to sleep if you like. But if you're here, you're not going to understand the spiritual message of God's word. You're incapable of discerning it spiritually outside of a right relationship with God. So how do we fix that? So this is the red light portion right here. Red light. If you're outside of a right relationship with God right now, if there's sin in your life that's separating you from, the, you from him, that you've not confessed to him, then you're right here and you're fleshly. And you're not in the place where he can teach you. Sunday school starts on Sunday morning here with the youth, and we give, you, we give the youth there 20 seconds or so to deal with this in their life. Is there sin in their life? Privately, pray, confess it. If God's convicting you of sin, agree with him. Let him put you back in this place, and guess what happens? Then when I open with prayer for us, after taking care of my relationship with God too and making sure I'm where I need to be, then he's able to teach us. Now here it's convict, in here it's teach. The reason I brought up the, the part of speech here is that the, those of us who remain fleshly and, and in a specific moment are fleshly, because not once and forever, it's this moment. In this moment in time, you're either fleshly or spiritual. And the next moment, maybe spiritual, followed by fleshly or whatever. But if you're fleshly, then you're not participating in putting yourself in the place where God can teach you. You don't put yourself back in a right relationship with God. You confess your sins, and God puts you back in that place. But he can't put you there if you don't confess your sin. And if you don't confess your sin and he doesn't put you there, then you're not able to receive and take hold of for yourself spiritual growth. Because spiritual growth occurs spiritually, not fleshly. If you want to bulk up and add muscle, you've got to go to a gym or to a, a place that has some exercise machines or workout machines. And if you don't step foot in that gym or in that workout room, you will not grow muscle. You have to go to the place to do it. And don't get me wrong, you can say, okay, I'm working on a farm and that's my gym. That can totally work. In fact, guys, it's a great way to do it. It's a lot of fun, more usable strength. Anyway, we're getting distracted. If we don't confess our sin, 
we are not going to be in a right relationship with God where he can actually teach us his word because the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us when we're out of fellowship with God. And that's why we're to agree. The Holy Spirit, when we're out of fellowship, is saying, hey, this is pride in your life. You've got this that you're holding on to you won't let go of. You've got this desire that you're carrying out behind closed doors. You're making stuff way more important than it should be. And he's convicting. And you have to agree and say, yeah, I agree with that, or no, I disagree. In other words, at that point, you're calling God a liar. This is not something that is typically taught in most churches. Because it's the one thing in your relationship with God after salvation that Satan and company can keep you from understanding and keep you in his system. Because when you're operating fleshly, you're following your sin nature, and if you study the sin nature with us, you've seen that the sin nature is led by Satan and company in this world. They produce the proper things of this world to entice us into it. And so if you're not following God, we talk that you're following your flesh or the sin nature, but reality is you're following Satan and company. Because they're manipulating you by your desire. Green light is right here. Confess your sin. God will put you back in fellowship, and now you're able to receive it. He says that they could not receive it because they were still fleshly. He says, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not walking, or are you not fleshly, and are you not walking says, like, mere men. Okay, we'll do this quick for you. The word jealousy, to want something like what somebody else has. You can want something that someone else has, the actual thing, or you can want something like it. Hey, I love that sweatshirt, but I want my own. I'm going to go to the store and buy the same one. That's jealousy, okay? Versus envy, which is like, hey, I like your sweatshirt. Give it to me. <laughs> envy means you want the thing they have, not something like it. But jealousy means to want something like what someone else has. And then there's this word strife, and I'm telling you right now, this is a part of your life. You may not know it yet. Strife is conflict that comes from rivalry, and I'll explain this in just a second, rivalry in making your opinion or your desire more important than someone else's. Think about an argument you may have had. In that argument, you had an opinion, someone else had an opinion. One may be fact. They may both be attempted to be proclaimed as fact. But why would you not listen to their opinion or their presumable fact why would they not listen to yours because you believe that yours is more important or more right or more true and in an argument what happens is you go back and forth well no this and no that and yes this but then that and all this other stuff happens and there's that conflict involved in the argument because your opinion matters more than their opinion when in reality whose opinion should matter neither of yours god's strife is that conflict that comes by making your opinion matter more than anything else. And if you have strife among you or jealousy among you, he says, are you not fleshly? Now, he's brought these two up specifically because he's dealing with this in the Corinthian church. 
This is a letter written to the believers in the city of Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. And so the Corinthian believers had jealousy and strife going on in their life. And so he pointed out specifically what they were doing as the evidence that they were operating from the flesh, that they were out here. So where's jealousy and strife? It's outside the circle. How do you solve jealousy and strife? You confess. Father, it's wrong for me to be jealous of this. It's wrong for me to think that my opinion matters more than your opinion. It's not about whether it's right or true over somebody else's. It's a matter of, is it God's opinion, and you match that? And is God's opinion what matters more than your own? And so you resolve strife and conflict that way and jealousy by confessing your sin, which means you've got to understand sin in your life. We don't have time to finish this verse out. We're going to start off with this word for next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Because without him and his conviction and the discipline that you provide to us, the love, the kindness by which you act towards us every day, we would not be able to recognize our sin. Without your word and what it identifies as right and true, we likewise could not see it. As we struggle with trying to understand these concepts, we recognize that our ability to understand it is not based upon our IQ or based upon how well your human instrument presented it, but that it's based purely on whether or not we are in a right relationship with you. May we be quick to agree, letting you be the God of our life and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.